See, I'm, I'm sharing a message this morning, simply titled, and it, it really does line up with Pursuit, your theme for 2013. Um, it, it's a simple message, simply titled, The Simeon Cry. How many is ready to get free of what you used to be chained to? I say you used to be because I see that which is not as though it were. There's a moment. How many of you know where spiritual transformation is supposed to include your next level where you suddenly leave everything behind? Are you with me so far? In other words, if you're still carrying what you had 20 years ago, you've never found freedom. But there's supposed to come a moment where suddenly you let go of everything. Have you ever wanted to just pick up something or grab hold of something and it, it was just eating at you? Something. Now, I need to warn you because contents of this message are harmful to your flesh. <laughs> Amen. So if you get offended, it's Paul or P. Owens at AZ at Fresh Start. And... Um, Write your emails to him because I delete them. I'm an evangelist. And so, um, but we're living in a very mysterious time. But the only way I can describe this message is I was flying home from Singapore back in April. And, and I was sitting on the flight and the Lord began to move in me on the flight. And he said, he said, son, I'm looking for someone that will have the Simeon cry. And I began to work on this message. And, and as I got into town on that Tuesday night late, uh, after flying 30 hours or 40 hours, whatever it is. And, and then the next day on a Thursday, on a Thursday, I began to write this message. And then I went in and shared it with our students at, at our Forerunner school of ministry. And the school is just exploding right now. It's kind of blowing our mind. And as I was preaching this message, Raw, fresh. There's no video for this sermon. There's, there's no tapestry for this message this morning. It's just the word. Is that all right? And as I was sharing this word with them, I looked over in the corner of our uh, auditorium where we have chapel, and I see an old wineskin laying on the ground over there in the spirit. And the Lord said to me, I glanced, and the Lord said, that's your old wineskin. Don't pick it up. I've got something new for you. And it began this unbelievable journey. And uh, grab your Bibles if you would. How many of you know that James, the fourth chapter, is James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. In fact, it was written by James the Greater. And so anytime you want to read James, anytime you need something fresh, you got to go there. It's just so thick and so deep. But James chapter 4, verse 8, simply says, Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Now, this scripture really goes against culture right now because we're living in a period of time where people are preaching grace without responsibility which is nothing but religion and I love a quote that Spurgeon said it's a powerful quote because we're living in a time where people are actually preaching there's no such thing as conviction anymore and people are actually removing from their theology the doctrine of hell as if hell does not exist I do believe it does not exist for me because I ain't going, amen. <laughs> Something about worms and burning. And so, but Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, discernment in today is knowing the difference between, is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Because we got a lot of people preaching almost right. But if we remove conviction and if they say there's no reason for conviction today, then why in the world does it say in Revelation over and over, repent? Are you still with me? I'll just, I'll move on. It's going to get weird. Watch. I'll never forget. This last summer, we were down in Florida speaking at uh, a youth conference. And the last day 
um, I was going to be going to North Carolina to speak. Karen was going to be heading home. And we decided to go to Disney World for a day. And my little girl, Abigail, many of you know Abby. She's 10 years old. She's our little gift from China. And, and um, she is just everything to me. And, and our little girl, Abigail, said, had, had said to me over and over, all the times we've gone to Disney World, hey, I want to do Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Now, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, it sounds very pure, doesn't it? It'll cost you. <laughs> Second mortgage. And so I went online and reserved her a spot for it. And, and we went to Disney World that morning. And, and uh, uh, at 6 o'clock that night, I had to be at the castle to drop her off. Her and Karen went in, and, and, and she would be dressed up like a princess. And, and so all day long, it's all she can talk about. And, and the reason why I say it'll cost you is they have one price on the Internet, but when you get in there, it is telemarketing. <laughs> They'll go, well, you got the package over here this package but if you really want to be a good father you're going to have to add all this I'm like I'm not accessorizing a car so I drop her off and 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 I, I felt it I felt it on the inside as I was as we were as we arrived and they take her in and and they do all this stuff and she gets ready to go get her hair done and makeup and all this stuff and and I knew that really this was not the right place for me I could feel I was unwelcome as all the moms and their daughters were in there. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. And I ran out the door. And I ran around to the, uh, one of the little areas of the Magic Kingdom, which uh, it's called Liberty or something like that. But anyway, I run around there because I know that they sell these large, massive, dinosaur-style turkey legs. My God, second one of the day. I had told Karen, I'll just sit outside. <laughs> I went running around there, and I get this turkey leg, and, and it's been cooked in healthy grease. And you can turn it into a shakeology. And I'm walking back, and I'm just waiting on my phone to go off to let me know when they're done. And there's just, there's just grease dripping. Like, it's just dripping, and there's a reason for this inappropriate story, and, or inappropriate. And men are walking by, and I find myself sitting on the wall of the castle as if no one else was there. And I'm just wearing this out. I'm just spinning the, the bone. And, and men are walking by, and you'll see them walk by with their kids. You can tell they're tired. It's about 6 o'clock at night. I mean, it's been hot. And you can tell they're, they're ready to kill their children. And... and and all of a sudden, they look up at me, and they see me just eating. And you can see men just go, I get it. Get it. I love you. One guy walked by, and he goes, please. Go on. Keep walking. And all of a sudden, I get a text from Karen saying, we're ready. And, and so I, I immediately, because I didn't want to know what I was doing, I was like using my, I'm like wiping off. I throw the bone in the river. <laughs> and I, I take off running around the corner. I got my smart water. It's, it's not worked yet. It's going to. And, uh, 
And Abby comes walking out the door. And all of a sudden, as, as Abby comes out, she is so beautiful. And there, there she is right there. That's the picture. And, and she comes walking out. And she takes off running. And as she's I said, you are the most beautiful princess I've ever seen in my whole life. She takes off running. And I'm holding my smart water. And, and immediately I have to throw it down and she jumps in my arms because see I've learned you got to let go of what really isn't important to catch what is and I spun her around and we began to dance in the middle of the road right there why oh you better get this because I'm preaching and I don't know where my smart water went but it's it ran from dumb didn't it <laughs> smart water is funny watch no, we're, we're good. thanks Don thank you bless you servant I'm preaching about the Simeon cry this morning and in just a moment the Holy Spirit now that we've got through the awkwardness the Holy Spirit's going to land on this room in just a moment and you're going to have an encounter that's going to begin to stir you on the inside but it won't stop it's going to, you're going to feel it in the morning when you wake up because he understands something there's so many that I want to meet when I get to heaven I've already made a list in my phone because in heaven, you're going to have, not have iPhones, but he phones. For him, the king. <laughs> and when I get to heaven, there's all these people that I want to sit down and drink coffee with. Because there's going to be coffee in heaven. Amen. And you'll probably have some cool Christian church name like Hebrews. <laughs> I always love those. Makes it holy. And, uh, or fresh grounds, whatever. There's all these people I want to meet when I get to heaven. I want to hang out with Jeremiah. We'll probably just stare and cry. He's a weeping prophet. I want to hang out with Elijah and say, dude, what was it like? I'm a redneck. What was it like riding in a tornado? What's it like saying you're the only prophet left? And God goes, really? Because I got a cave, a remnant over here that I'm about to raise up beside you. You're not the only one left. This is Monday morning after a Sunday at church. You need to wake up. I want to hang out with David because that brother knew how to dance with no drawers on. Amen. I mean, he just, he just, commando. I want to hang out with Esther because she spent one year getting ready for one church service when we can't even get there on time. I want to hang out with Joel. I want to walk up to Joel and say, bro, you prophesied in the last days. He'd pour his spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old men would dream dreams. Your young men would have visions. And upon his handmaiden, he'd pour out his glory. I want to say, then Peter seconded it in the day of Pentecost. I want to say, I saw it. I saw it in Arizona. I saw it in Dallas. I saw it in New York. I saw it in Salt Lake. I saw it in San Francisco. I saw it in Boston. I saw it in Miami. Somebody get ex excited this morning. I want to hang out with John. And just say, what's it like being with him at his worst moment and falling asleep? And yet he still loved you enough from the cross to look down and speak to you. Want to hang out with Paul, who used to be Saul, and say, what's it like, Acts 17, to walk and stand in front of the greatest minds of the day at a place called Mars Hill where hedonism has taken over its fleshly desire and the Epicureans, it's all about satisfying yourself and the Greek voices of the day and standing in front of an altar of the unknown God and declaring truth. We're there again today.
I want to hang out with the thief because the thief represents you and I in so many ways. Spend our life stealing everything until we finally had an encounter with him and said, I just want to be remembered when you go in. But there's one guy I want to hang out with, and, and I've, I've never actually heard anybody speak on him because we love Luke, the second chapter, and, and we always talk about Luke chapter 2. In fact, it gets cited in all the Christmas cantatas and all of that, but it only goes up to about verse 23 or 24. Nobody goes to the second part of Luke chapter 2 where it talks about a man by the name of Simeon. A man that stood out, a man that lived his life to make a declaration, a man that declared everything, a man that would look at a baby and say, now I predict the downfall of Israel, a man whose ministry ended with one encounter with God because his life was over, a man, his name Simeon, his name means one who has heard or, or one who listens, and his, in the Aramaic, believe it or not, in the Aramaic, his name is the exact same name as Simon Peter, Occupation, pastor, priest, shepherd, mission statement. Do not let me die till I see your glory. And the Bible says, if you look closely at Luke, the second chapter. And Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. How many of you understand? I've said it before. Peace is not an emotion. It is a place you must choose to live. It is peace passes all understanding. That means when you wake up every morning, you have to say, I live not in fear. I live not in doubt. But I'm choosing to step into peace every single day. Why? Because I have a belt buckle of truth on. In other words, God says, I want you to surround yourself with a belt of truth truth so that you don't end up naked in front of society sovereign orders you have promised as you may now dismiss your servant in peace for mine eyes mine eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people israel i don't know about you but there are days where i don't feel very saved there are days that i don't feel like a revivalist there are days that i don't feel like god can even use me there are moments that I wake up and confusion is running rampant in my mind. And the only place I can, the only thing I can do is just go hide in his presence and, and get close to him. And, and there are, but there are days where I just go, I, I, I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Is anybody with me? There's other days where I look at his creation and I, I'll be on a flight and I love to post pictures on planes because it's illegal to use your phone. And, and, um, <laughs> Don't create law if you don't want rebellion. And, and uh, in Psalms chapter 19, it's one of my favorite verses because I just love how I can be flying. I'll be flying home tonight. And I, I, I love to look out and see God's glory and how big my God is. And I've learned that when I feel small, if I'll just praise him for being big, it'll pull me out of that. And, and, and it says God's glory is on tour in the skies. God craft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. But I, I, I must be honest with you, there's those moments where I, I don't feel very, 
I don't feel like William Booth and his army of, of orphans when they would scream the word faith, which the acrostic for that is forsaking all I take him. There's days that I don't feel like that, but I must be reminded because we're living in a, in a very intense season in America where the more you tell the truth, the smaller your circle gets. Don't, if you don't want to be attacked, don't write that homosexuality is a sin. <laughs> I'm not worried about the world, it's the religious because Jesus came to separate. He said, I came with a sword. I didn't come with a feather. He said, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goat in the last days. I'm reminded of back in June, I was in Singapore. And on a Saturday morning, I received a text from Reinhard Bunke, who's a, a spiritual voice in my life, a father in my life. And, and really, he's a barometer in my life. He really is. And and. And I get a text and says, I'm staying at this such and such hotel. Uh, I'm in Singapore. I'm preaching at a certain place. And he said, meet me at my hotel at 6 p.m. for supper. I leaned over to my host because I'm speaking at a big youth conference there. And I leaned over to my host and I said, I won't be here tonight. If the father beckons, you go. It's called spiritual authority. And he said, wow, okay, um, I'll be with you. I want to. I want to. I want to go. And he had, he had actually ran the offices of Pastor Bunky in Singapore. And and I get into the the restaurant there at the hotel that night. And man, the presence of God just enters, and I'm weeping. And he's pouring into my life. And and I get back to my hotel room, and I call Andrew Kobe, his assistant, who used to be in our school of ministry. And Andrew is a crazy guy. He had been a quarterback at Marshall University. Came to our school of ministry then we launched him and he's been with Pastor Bunky for nine years now and I, I called him and I said from my hotel to his hotel and I said Andrew thank you once again for letting me just sit in the presence of greatness a man that weeps before the Lord and we're just talking and he said can I tell you one thing and I said sure he said there are days that Pastor Bunky gets very discouraged I said really I thought that ended. I'm 44. He's 73. I thought at some point we're going to stop that. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, and he always tells me, he said, Andrew, you travel with me. And Pastor Bunky has heart issues. And he said, you're probably going to be the one that finds me dead in hotels where my heart gives out. And he always says, and he said, he told me, he said, if you resurrect me, if you pray me back to life, I will fire you. <laughs> but he said, he said, so pastor, he said, but sometimes I'll go to his hotel room and I'll wake him up for breakfast or, or you know, early in the morning. He said, he's already up. He gets up at 3 a.m. And, and he said, but I'll, I'll knock on the door and I'll go into the hotel room and he'll be sitting in the corner with his head down. And, and I'll say, Pastor Bunky, are you, are you okay? What's wrong? And he, he always says, oh, Andrew, I'm just homesick for heaven. And Andrew's funny. He goes, he goes I stand there for a minute and I, I, he said, I don't know what to say. I just go, well, you want to you go eat breakfast? But I know what he feels. Because see, I want to be the one that goes past every obstacle, looks around every corner to get a glimpse of God. I want to be the one in the room that is not 
about the superficial and about who you know and the politics and, and, and all the different things. I want to be that one that will go deeper, that will go into his presence. It's Psalm 73, 25. You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who left you are falling apart. Deserters, they'll never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the world all that you do. This means I've got to ignore the noise of the culture. I've got to ignore where the church thinks it's going. And I've got to ignore the, all the different stuff. Because, because I am just learning that, that it, when you preach about the heart of God, most people would like you to drop a little ice in there and make it lukewarm. And so I'm learning that you, you've got to be careful. In fact, the word truth is used in the New Testament 172 times. And I think God knew where we were going in America, where a generation doesn't want truth. And a generation says, your truth is what I say it is, or my truth is what I say it is. And and and. And, and when God says, you don't understand, if I declare it, it is, it cannot be changed. It does not change. Culture does not change with your opinion. Culture does not, or God, excuse me, God's word does not change with your opinion in the culture. You've got to understand. I honestly believe God is sitting up there saying, does anybody even preach truth anymore? Because truth says to cheat on your wife's a sin. Truth says relationship outside of marriage, period, is a sin. Truth says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you don't have pure heart, you're never going to see him. I love what it says in the Message Bible. You, you'll, you'll never truly understand how to see God until you get your inside world cleaned up so you can understand your outside world. Truth says, if I confess with my mouth, believe in my heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, he becomes my Savior. But truth also says that I better be careful and not stumble. Because Galatians 5, 7 says you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who called you. Are you with me? Truth says the kingdom of heaven is being taken by violence. Force. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're either against me. Can I just tell some truth this morning? And so all of a sudden, now follow me, because there's this, that one guy that I want to meet when I get to heaven. The guy, the guy is, is, is he, who is Simeon? What is the Simeon cry? Because I sat on the plane coming home from Singapore, weeping as I began to think about this guy. In fact, yeah, I believe it's a personal cry that eventually becomes a, a public proclamation of who Jesus is. It is a cry from your inner spirit to see God's glory. Go with me quickly. It's a narrative type sermon. So I, I, this is the way I think it was. But go with me to a small room this morning. It's a room attached to the temple. Now, some people wonder if Simeon was a priest. I believe he was. Or he would have never had the right to dedicate Jesus. Go with me to a small bedroom off to the side of the tabernacle, the temple. And there inside of it is a very old priest. He's tired. I wonder if his eyesight was wanting if his ears were dull I wonder if his if he had physical health issues but he had one cry his whole life he had declared there's a Messiah coming 
He never wavered from his passion. When everybody else wanted to preach on politics or talk about how good Rome is to the church or all those different things and make things right, but he, he refused. And when time seemed to be slipping away in his life, when that clock was coming to that end moment, that, that, that end of his life, uh, he has an encounter with God. And one morning he's weeping before God and he gets interrupted by God. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, you're still with me, right? Because it's going to get deep. Here it goes. He said, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Stop right there. Because righteousness means that my character does not change when your mood does. I bet he understood Psalms 37, 25. I have never seen my righteous forsaken or my seed begging for bread. What are you talking about, Pat? Righteousness means that you have set things right. You don't have anything you got, still got to clean up. Righteousness means that you have made up your mind to set your face like Flint, Isaiah 51. And I've learned about Flint. If you rub it just right, you'll leave sparks behind you that starts fire. Righteousness means I'm not looking at that garbage. I'm not talking that trash. I'm not going to be a part of that when the whole world seems to be saying it's okay to drink alcohol in the church now. I, you know what? I'd love to agree with you. I just have too many demons in my past. I'm a drug dealer's son. My family was in the mafia. My sister died of drug addiction. So that demon sits on my front porch, and I'm, so, I'm sorry, because people ask me all the time, well, Pat, you're just religious because you don't believe in drinking. Really? Is that what it is? You didn't know my grandmother, did you, when she would disappear for two or three days on binge drink, drunks. I remember a Thanksgiving where she never showed up, and they found her in a ditch. So you got to follow me for just a second. People ask me all the time. See, I happen to believe in this word called consecration. I actually, I actually believe in the Nazarite vow. People ask me all the time, well, do you drink? No. And I go to places where they do. Because it's really cool right now to do that in the church. It's, it, actually, it's cool to act like the world to try to win the world. And it doesn't say we can do that. And it's huge in the church right now. We'll drop every word. We'll say whatever we want. The only difference in us is we say, but we have the cross. Can I tell you what grace is? Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free get card. It is a vehicle to freedom. Are you with me so far? People ask me all the time, well, how do you feel about drinking? Well, it's bottom line. I have three reasons why I don't. Number one, I, I don't drink because of the demons in my family. And a true apologetics, you don't start off with scripture. You start off with truth, prescription, fact, and then faith. And so you got to understand, I tell people all the time, it, well, number one, I can't open that door because of my family. <laughs> number two, number two, I never wanted to give my son permission to get killed in a car accident because one generation always takes it to the next level. What you did in private, your, ki your kids will embarrass with you in public. That's just a rule. It's what, it's what Nathan said to David. And, and, and then the third reason is anywhere I go in America, people know me. Or overseas, sitting on a flight from, Aust from Australia to Singapore, I turned down alcohol. A couple came up to me that were going to be in the church the next Sunday where I was at. They had just seen me in Australia, and they said, thank you for being the real deal. See, I I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get stuck on that. I, I, I just think there's people, and if it offends you, I well, well, Pat, we, Pat, we, you know, we, we know how to regulate. We know how to, you know, we, we just, uh, really? Something about spoiling the vine, all those little foxes. 
But purity is the backbone of authority. And I will do nothing to take the authority that God has given me to speak into a generation. And you've got to understand, here is Simeon. The Bible says he was righteous and he was devout. You know what devout means? It means you're not changing your mind. You know what devout means? It actually means, because I looked it up today, to proselyte at the gate. It means he was so hung up on God that he would tell everybody he met, I'm not only righteous, but let me tell you about the one that set me free. Let me tell you about the one that brought freedom. It means to sit at the gate and declare the glory of the Lord. He was righteous and sitting at the gate declaring the word of the Lord and he was waiting it's only used twice and the only other time it was used was for Cornelius in his house and 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 that's when God opened up the power of the Holy Ghost to the Gentile house so you know choose to to believe what you want but and then it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel I didn't understand that word because consolation means to me you get a prize when you didn't really win amen well your consolation prize is this bottle of shaving cream God bless you like thanks I wanted the car so I looked up the word consolation. Do you know what it means? To summon for help. He was waiting to summon for help. It means the answer. It means impartation. It means comforter. So in other words, it says in Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for fill in the blank. Whatever you need. And the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he seen the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine? I mean, this interruption changed everything in his life. He now had a reason to live. He began to pray. God says, you're going to see the Messiah. Now, I wonder if he thought, if, if, will it be a baby or will it be an adult? Because Isaiah described both. I wonder how he thought it would be. I wonder if he talked to himself. Will I bow? Will I kiss him? How will I respond to this? How do I respond? You should prepare yourself every Sunday morning on how you're going to respond today to his presence. And, and, and all, I, I can see him sitting there. And, and I, could this be the day? I wonder if this will happen. And, but number two, he was moved by the Spirit. Luke chapter 2, verse 27, moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. He wasn't moved by the lights. He wasn't moved by the crowds. I speak at all these huge youth conferences all over America, and I'll be on the front row getting ready to speak, and whoever's in charge, I'll lean over and say, how do you like our lights? You like the stage? And I'm going, I don't care. Because lights and stage never changed anybody. He can walk into the barrios of El Salvador and or in the cave of Afghanistan. I serve a God that's that big. Are you with me so far? He, I, I serve a God that'll fly, that'll climb into a jet uh, 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 where, where a soldier is flying a sortie. I serve a God that doesn't need all that, and I appreciate it. I love it, and, and, I, and it's wonderful. But I just want to look at him and say, really? I don't care. But then I won't get invited back. But he wasn't moved by what others wanted. It says moved by the Spirit. You know, he wasn't moved by those that think of God as just a weekend encounter. He wasn't, he wasn't moved by those who have grown comfortable with the idea that, that God's just an idol to be worshipped. He wasn't moved by, he was moved by the Holy Ghost. He wasn't moved by those who are willing to give their, uh, who, who, that are not willing to give their last breath for an encounter. He wasn't moved by those that think self-sacrifice is counting calories and fat grams. Are you with me so far? He, he wasn't moved by all that. Those who are content with experiencing God through someone else's revelation. He wasn't moved 
by those 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 whom 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 think that the enlightening of a generation happens with with a with a little visitation of God's glory that that that, that, that but that's it you know there's no more than that those those who think that a generation's moved through lights and sound in some mediocre uh, uh, sermon those who think that you've arrived when you have a little title a little paycheck no 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 he was moved by the Holy Spirit put me around somebody that's moved by the Holy Spirit and I'll make them my friend because I want to be around people that know how to talk to him. Somebody give God a praise offering. Now watch, I'm hurrying because he recognized his moment. I love this right here. It is so easy to miss your moment. It's so easy right now where you're sitting to get distracted when this is the moment God's been waiting on to have you encounter because in just a moment we're going to boldly let go of what we've been carrying to pick up what is important. He recognized his moment. The devil wants your moment. It's the reason why you never have really intense arguments till you get in the car on the way to church because demons stole your children's shoes. <laughs> we never spilt cereal till Sunday. <laughs> but I've learned that when God shows up, it isn't about you. In Psalms 115, not for our sake, God. No, not for our sake, but for your name's sake. Do it on account of your merciful love. Do it on account of your faithful. Do it so none of the nations can say, where, where now, where is their God? I, I take personal responsibility to make sure that, that this gospel doesn't die out. But I'm learning God will never walk into a service where you're going to take credit for it. And some of you keep wanting to quit on him. And you're so close to your breakthrough. And you don't realize it, but you're going to end up living where the should have beens live. You're going to end up living where the almost live. But I want to live so close to the breakthrough and the miracle, understanding that God is just around the corner. I mean, just, to, I'll never forget, I was in New York City one time, and I was, it's years and years ago, and my brother worked for David Wilkerson, and, and Scott and I are just walking and talking, and I'm doing their youth conference there at Times Square Church, and this is years ago, and, and I, I go, and I said to Scott, I said, I just can't wait to meet Pastor Dave. That's what they called him, Pastor Dave Wilkerson. I said, I just can't wait. And as we walked around the corner, we turned the corner, and I ran in to him he, he's about that tall and the minute I hit him I started weeping because I was scared no I mean I felt the presence of God I was scared too I'm scared it's just a kid but I wonder how many times you've come so close to stepping into God and you give up. It reminds me of a, a couple of months ago, three or four months ago. I, I got off a plane late one night, and, and, and the next morning I'm sitting in my chair doing, trying to do devotions, and, and I, it's dry. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm living in the Mojave at that moment spiritually because I, I, I was tired, and, and, and I'm trying to do devotions, and Abby's getting ready for school, and, and Karen says to me, now I put a protein drink in the fridge for you. I may, I may have told you all this, but I, she said, I put a protein drink in the fridge for you. When I get home, we're going to do insanity. I got your plyometrics. <laughs> Sean T makes me use Christian cuss words. Amen. <laughs> Sanctification. And, and uh, Karen said, when I get home, meet me downstairs and we'll do insanity. But drink your protein when you get done with your prayer. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, wonderful morning. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and I said, Lord, I just need an encounter. I just need one encounter with you, Lord. And, and, 
and I just said, I'm, I'm tired today. And, and I, I finished my devotions. I get up, and I'm walking towards the kitchen, and I reach to open the door. And as I reach to open the door to grab the, the protein drink out of the fridge, the Holy Spirit hits me, knocks me backward. I'm sitting, and you know it's God. If you go slain, nobody gets to see it. Amen? And I'm laying in the floor. And I'm wailing before God. Karen comes home and she goes, he's here. I said, I just had an, because I've learned, I've learned that God will show up. And But see, some of you keep stopping at that last moment. And you don't even realize, look what it says in Peter. God says, I'm right around the corner. I've been waiting on you. There's a moment of encounters here, Fresh Start Church. God says, I've been waiting to come into this place. I've had to put some things in order. I've had to clear out some things. But look what it says. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I don't know about you, but I want to run around the corner and run into God where it isn't about me anymore. I want an encounter. Somebody praise him. He recognized his moment. And this is it. I'm closing. First closing. And all of a sudden, Simeon, watch this now. See, I'm learning what you behold, you become. And we're about to have, it's an altar call experience about to happen. When humanity meets divinity, that's an altar call. And, and all of a sudden, Simeon, he gets up. And it's time to go to church. And look what it says in that scripture. Go back to that scripture for me, if you would. Over in, never mind, don't worry about it. All of a sudden... I can see Simeon. He says, God, now I know that you told me that we're going to, I'm going to have an encounter. I'm going to see you. See, understand something. Eight days after a Jewish child was born, they were circumcised and named. Forty days after they were born, they had to be presented to the temple. And also that was the moment when the mother had to come in. And it was believed because she had had a male child, she was unpure. So she'd have to go through a cleansing process. So it's been 40 days since Jesus was born, which represents a generation. And I imagine as Simeon got ready to go to church that day, I wonder if he prayed, protect him today, Lord. Because it was during the season of the massacre of the innocent. What is the massacre of the innocent? That's when all the baby boys were being killed at that time. Same thing happened when Moses was born. Because every time God wants to change a generation, somebody gives birth. We wonder why we're living in a day where abortion at 40 years, which is a generation, is so intense in America. Nobody even talks about it anymore because it's just why well, we can't win that. And yet, and yet you don't understand the reason why the enemy is killing a generation is he kind of, he's trying to kill off the revivalist. He's trying to cure off the scientist, or kill off the scientist and the kingdom builders. He's trying to kill them off. And so uh, it's the massacre of the innocent season. It's the season when all the babies are being killed. You can hear, hear welling. I wonder if every morning he woke up and said, please put your angels around the baby. If he's alive right now, put the baby, the angels around the baby. And so all of a sudden he gets up and he starts, and you know what amazes me? Other babies were born that day too. It kind of reminds me of 200 years ago, two men were born on the same day, 200 miles apart. One brought freedom from slavery. The other one brought chains. Who are you talking about, Pat? I'm done. I'm done right here. I'm hurrying. On the very same day that Lincoln was born, the father of evolution, Charles Darwin, was also born. One brought Liberty, the other one brought death. Two men born the same day, 200 miles apart. So all of a sudden, Simeon starts walking 
towards church that day. He's waving at everybody. They all know him. They, I mean, he's married him, buried him. He's been their pastor for years. And, and, and he's, he's walking towards church, and, and he starts seeing the families lined up to dedicate their children. And so I can see him stopping and beginning to pray over the children. But he feels a stirring in his heart. He feels something is different. Something's different. I, I feel like today I, I came to church. I was going to stay home because I wasn't feeling too well. But I feel like something's different. It's almost like this is my moment. I, I didn't stop on this side of the corner. I went around the corner. I decided to suddenly become a part of something. And, and I didn't just look at this house as something that I get to go to three times a year. And so, and so all of a sudden, it's like I, I feel like I'm a part of it. And so all of a sudden, he starts, he starts walking down the line. And as he's walking down the line, he, he starts feeling almost like a rope is pulling him. A holy, a holy's rope moment. And, and he's, he's loving the children. He's blessing them. But he keeps looking back here. He, he keeps glancing to the back of the line. He sees a couple standing back there. Oh, you're not getting this. He sees somebody standing back there. He knows he's got to get back there. I got to get past all the noise. I got to get past all these people that want a piece of me. I want to get to him. And all of a sudden, as he's walking, he keeps seeing somebody back there. And as he starts walking, he, he notices this couple. And as he glances, his eyes meets the eyes of, of Mary. I believe this happened. He meets the eyes of Mary, and, and she smiles and says, hello pastor and tears began to roll out down her face because vindication was now taking place Joseph leaned back and smiled and as he got closer he suddenly just started ignoring all these people and, and he starts walking slower but more intently and as he's getting closer he doesn't know if he's supposed to bow he feels something the presence of God is getting closer and closer it's an altar called divinity meeting humanity humanity meeting divinity because now all of a sudden his job would be worthless because he was about to anoint the high priest that would take his place of the Melchizedek order you're not getting this just yet you're not really anointed till you give your job away and so all of a sudden as he gets closer and closer and they begin to smile tears rolling down their face and he says I know you I know you because I've heard gossip prayer requests about you <laughs> people said that you said you were the mother of the Messiah but they mocked you because they, they, they were missing their moment and as he gets closer to them he smiles he smiles he smiles he smiles and in Luke chapter 2 verse 28 I'm closing Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God oh you have not had a day at church till you take him in your arms and begin to praise him and all of a sudden he reaches towards her and he says excuse me ma'am can I hold him and Mary with a smile on her face says of course pastor and as the warmth of a baby's body fell into his hands he wasn't hanging on to the scrolls. He wasn't hanging on to what didn't matter anymore. But what he was really saying to her was, excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold freedom for the nations? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold authority? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold the joy? Can I, excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold power? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold healing? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold that which was, that which is, and forevermore shall be? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold John chapter 1, the word made flesh? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold hope to the nations? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold the I am that I am, the will within a will, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star? Excuse me, ma'am. Can I hold the king? And as he stepped forward and took, Sim took Jesus, 
Jesus in his hands, it was a moment. And as he took the baby and held it up, it was a circle of life moment. I mean, Elton John should have been sinking the circle of life. And as he holds the baby up, I believe all creation in their spirit, all the animals right here in Arizona at that moment stopped and bowed at a king that had been introduced. You're not getting this yet. I can see him as he rubbed his fingers across his head and said, he, he shall be pierced for my thought life. As he ran his hands down his back upon healing would come through stripes. As he rubbed his hands over a shoulder and said, the hope of the nations and the government will be upon there. As he rubs his feet, the one who will carry my cross, but will split the Mount of Olives at the gate. Beautiful. I can see as he rubbed his side and begin to realize the place where the Gentiles shall be grafted. problem with the church today is we've lost our all he's just another worship song to you he's just somebody else's book but Simeon declared the truth and I love this last part in Luke chapter 2 verse 33 and the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him them and Simeon holding him blessed him and said to Mary he looked at mama and he said this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel stop right there can you imagine as he was doing this all the priests around him all the religious around him begin to take a step back and they begin to whisper to each other we got to get him we got to shut him down do you see what he is doing he's declaring the Messiah see they were so good at preaching he's coming they didn't realize he had arrived They were taking notes. He's over for him. He retires today. We're going to kill him. We're gonna, he just blasphemed. He must die now. And as Simeon looked at them, all of a sudden, the, he said, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed in a sword. And then he looks at Mary and he says, Mama, listen to me. Listen to me, Mama. Enjoy the next 33 and a half years is what he was saying. Because there's going to come a day when your baby's hanging up there and a sword will pierce your soul. And I can see as he hands the child back to them, shaking, and he steps back. He looks over his shoulder, and the religious are scurrying. People are glaring at him. He smiles and says, thank you for being a vessel. begins to make his way out the door. He runs to his house. They're only 15 minutes behind him. As he opens the door and goes into his little house. He shuts it and he starts laughing. I saw him. And I can see as he went and sat down on his bed. See, because Simeon was an old man. It was over. He would have to die or they'd kill him. As he sat down on his bed, he looked up and he smiled and he said, you keep your word, don't you? You're the God of yes and amen. You're a God who keeps his promises. He sits down on the bed. He said, now you got to take me because they're coming. I hear them. His front door begins to rattle. Let us in, Simeon. 
He lays back on the bed and shuts his eyes. And I just personally believe that when he opened his eyes, he saw what Isaiah saw. The angels producing glory by screaming holy. Heaven roaring. And I can see God the Father saying, thank you for introducing my son. See, I'm, I'm done. Why would I preach this? Because expectation is that birthplace of a miracle. He didn't worry about being ostracized. He didn't worry about if his friends would like him anymore. The true sign of a great God leader is to expose his glory and die. It means get out of the way. You can't receive any of the praise. four mandates for the Simeon cry, and I'll just say them. Just go ahead and stand with me if you would. Number one, run to the one who already ran ahead of us. God's already ran ahead. Look what it says in his word. It says, it says, These are the four mandates. If you want to be a Simeon, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promise, hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all the appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We don't really need God, do we? Because if he really stepped into our lives, we'd have to quit telling him what to do. It's the last time you walked through your house through a long day and you brushed up against him. You stopped. He'll do it to you. I know. And then number two, um, Simeon cries. His presence is transformational. <laughs> If you're mad at the world right now, it's because you hadn't been in his presence. Goodness gracious, I'm a jerk if I don't get in his presence. I think everybody around me knows it when I'm not praying. Because I shift after I've been with him. But look what his word says. Second Corinthians, whenever they turn their face to God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there, there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a pit, piece of chiseled out stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislative is recognized as, legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it all, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. <laughs> Number three, do you know that you are God's case study? You're his, you're his billboard. You're his Simeon. See, the second set of Simeons was in the upper room. The third set of upper room, the third set of Simeons are in this room. God multiplies. Anything he touches multiplies. Anything the devil touches, he divides. Reduces. 
Because see, there's 120. Three and a half, 33 and a half years later, they were sitting in an upper room going, excuse me, sir. Can I hold your glory? You're God's case study. You shouldn't even be here. It's a miracle you're even here. I'm a miracle. Look, look what his word says. I love this. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. And you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in the bond of, Christ, of, of trust, constantly tuned into the Messiah, careful not to be distracted or diverted. And then lastly, listen, heaven trusts you to tell the truth. yourself blessed every time someone cuts you down or throws you out, every time someone smears or blackens your name to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that person is uncomfortable. But you can be glad when that happens. Skip like a lamb if you like for even though they don't like it, I do and all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My preachers and witnesses have always been treated like this. I'm done. That's pretty weak. I mean, you're not going to convince anybody. So let's try it again. Who, who are you? Yeah. Really? Okay. Then you got to let go of what you've been carrying to pick up what is important. You got to be willing to let go. Daddy. that moment water didn't matter because she jumped and if I didn't let go of that water I would have dropped her and I threw my water on the ground encounter there's an encounter coming if you'll approach him this morning the way he approaches you is your morning. Every eye is shut across this room. I'm not going to play with you. I'm not going to beg you. I don't have time. I got to catch a flight unless the glory breaks out. I, I have to catch a flight. And so you got to understand that there's a freedom in this place. God says, I'm taking this church to the next level. God says, I'm about to raise up people that think that they're done. God says, if you'll step around the corner and step into me, you will experience me like you've never experienced anything. God says, I'm looking for those in this room that are hungry for an encounter with God. I'm talking about it goes past anything the world has 
has to offer. And so with every eye shut across this place, no one looking around. Is there anybody in here that wants God more than their sin? Raise their hand now. If you want God more than your sin, if you want the cross more than what the world's had to offer, raise your hand. Raise it up high. Raise it up high because I ain't going to beg you. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. If he's not enough, then you're going to be just fine. You do your own thing and then you'll see how fine you are. But God says with this is your morning to get free. How many in this room Put your hands down for a second. Every eye shut. How many in this room say, I've got stuff in my life and I know there's more for God, but I've got to get it out of me so I can go to the more. I want more. I want more. And I've got sin in my life. Maybe you've never accepted him. Maybe you've never cried out to him. Maybe you've never had a Simeon moment, an encounter where he explodes into your chest and forgives you and changes you. And all over this room, if you have sin in your life or you've not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, all over this room, this is the now moment. This is what it was all about. You are about to become a Simeon. And so all over this room, with nobody looking around, if you have sin in your life or you've walked away from God or you've backslidden or never accepted him as your Lord and Savior if you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior raise your hand now I'm so proud of y'all hands are going up all over this place I'm so proud of you so come on raise it up higher now if you say I've got sin in my life I love God but I got sin in my life raise your hand too if you just raise your hand, and there's a bunch, I need to warn you, this is going to be the greatest day of your life. Raise it up higher. Shake it at me. Probably 30 hands, 40 hands, maybe less, I don't know. Oh, yeah. All over this house. If you just raise your hand, step out into the aisle. Why would you do that? The Lord's telling me to do this. I got to, because he, he loves you enough to, 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 to mess up your day. So it, that's how much he loves you. Step out into the aisle. Step out in the aisle. I won't beg you. I won't embarrass you. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. You're just going to miss out on freedom. And so step out in the aisle. Yeah, I'm really, really proud of this house right now. If you just raise your hand, because I, I say I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. That's all I know how to do. And so if you raise your hand and you don't really care what nobody thinks, I need to warn you, as you get closer to the front, you're going to feel what Simeon felt as he got closer to the baby. So all over this house, if you want a God encounter and you just raise your hand, come on, walk down now. Come on down. Come on, walk down. Come closer. Come on, all over the house. Come on. Hey, yeah, I won't relent until you have it all. Come on, closer, closer. Oh, I won't relent. Come closer. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'm really proud of you because... searching for the things that happened to you as a little girl God says I'm about to invade your life you hear me come closer come closer come closer now to make this plausibly real there's nothing more powerful than 
when people say, I got your back. I've been through seasons of my life where this man right here has got my back. You got to have somebody get your back. So I'm going to ask the entire body in this house. Five minutes. That's all we need. I, don't, I can't promise what happens after that. Just five minutes. From the front to the back. Would you join them now? Come on. Front to the back. Come on. Front to the back. And as you're walking, you're going to have an encounter too. It's going to start. Oh, I won't relent. I won't relent. Come closer. Come on. Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Ready? If you're in the very back and you're like, I, I want to be up front. You're not that far away. If you say, well, physically, Pat, I just can't walk up. I promise. Who cares? You'll probably outrun me in heaven anyway. I'm warning you because here comes his presence. For every failure, every loser, every mistake, every oops, every accident that you think you are, God says, I'm not done with you. I've anointed you. I've called you. You are Simeon. Take one hand, in this, if you would, and put it out in front of you right now. Just like this, like you're about to catch Abby. Like you're about to catch Abby. Now put the other hand out in front of you. Put them out just like this. Are you ready to catch him? You can't if there's stuff in your hands. So with your eyes looking down at your hands, say, God, I got to clean my hands. Your word says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to me. Cleanse my hands. So I want you to begin to look in your hands, and I want you to look at everything you've done, all the garbage, all the junk, all the stuff. And this is the reason why, reason why his hands were pierced for you. So that you, you know why God put a hole in the middle of his hands? So that your junk could go through his holes. It could fall out of your hands. So with your hands right there, look into your hands say, God, I'm so tired of carrying my sin, my mistakes, my pain. A little bit louder, my hurt. Say, God, I'm asking you right now to forgive me, to cleanse me. I'm inviting you. Now, here's what I want you to do because it's going to get deeper. Take one baby step forward, just as close as you can. You just walked around the corner. There he is. He's right in front of you. Say, God. Live inside of me. You are Lord. You are Savior. Excuse me, sir. Stretch your hands out. Excuse me, sir. Can I hold freedom? Yes. Say, Jesus, take my sin. And do your hands like this. Hold them back out again. Let's do it better than this. It's coming. Say, Lord, excuse me, sir, can I hold my consolation, my answer, my impartation? Can I hold everything I've needed 
now. Here he comes right now. He's falling upon your hands right now. You feel him? You feel him? There's a joy coming upon you. There's an authority falling into your hands. There's a joy. There's a power. There's an authority. There's a redemptive status that's coming on you saying it doesn't matter. I can come upon you. I can anoint you. Do you hear me? Come on, church, cry out. I'm waiting on you to cry out. I want you to scream out. Excuse me, sir. Can I hold? Now fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. What do you need? Tell him out loud. Fill in the blank right now. He says, I'm going to come upon you and change you and restore you and break years of oppression and depression. Come on, church. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Say it again. Excuse me, sir. Can I hold freedom? No more depression. No more fear. You are sinning. You just found out why you were created. Excuse me, sir. All the students in the house, hold your hands out. Say, excuse me, sir. Louder, excuse me, sir. mama and daddy hold her hands out your eyes shut say excuse me father can I hold healing for my family every business leader in the house hold your hand out and say excuse me father can I hold provision wisdom every single parent in the house hold your hands out and say excuse me sir can I hold strength? Yes. Every senior adult in the house over the age of 55, hold your hands out in front of you and say, excuse me, sir. Can I hold peace? Can I hold healing in my body? Hold on just a second, Pastor. Everyone in the house, stretch your hands out and say, excuse me, Lord. I need to warn you because when we get done to this, when we get to the next part, I don't know what he's going to do, but he just spoke to me. He wanted to do this, so, and I'm careful to say that unless he does, because if you do and he doesn't, that's witchcraft. So that's what he just spoke to me. Hold your hands out. Everybody in the house say, and all you're going to do is finish the line, but after that, I don't know what's going to happen because say this, say, excuse me, sir, can I hold revelation of your... Glory. Glory. Now. Now. You feel that? It just got real. (sighs) Cry out. Cry out across this house. I release you to cry out. How would you respond, Simeon? (sighs) Depression is falling off of you. Anger, hurt fear you just held him you just held the king you just held the king you just held the king my god you just held the king you just held the king you're holding the king he is very a very present help in a time of trouble he has inhabited your praises he's inside of you he's inside everybody breathe in like they did disciples did in john chapter 20 breathe in (gasps) receive him that's what the bible says 
Excuse me, sir. Can I hold you? Every married couple, hold your hands out and say, Excuse me, sir. Can we hold protection for our marriage? Every single young lady, hold your hands out right now and say, Excuse me, sir. Can I hold completeness? Every young man, every young man, every single young man, hold your hands out and say, excuse me, sir. Can I hold wisdom and strength? Everyone in first start, hold your hands out and say, excuse me, sir. Can our church hold the hope of the nations? This house is entering into a new dispensation, a new season. I hear, hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of a turning. This is what I hear. The changing of a chapter in this church. Say it out loud. It's not about me. It's not about me. I must see him. I must see him. Say, Lord, everybody say, Lord, I invite you to invade my now, to invade my home. I want to run into you. I want to bump into you. Awaken my soul. I'm going to ask you one more time. Who are you? Say it louder. Who are you? So for all of you that wonder who you are and wonder why you were made, I just gave you a definition of who you are. Who are you? That's who you are. You are Simeon. For all of you that lived your life frustrated with religion, you're like, what in the world? I don't even like this. I don't want to know. Just but I know there's something real out there. If you realize you're Simeon, you can look past religion and do your job at any cost. I'm Simeon. The declarer of the consolation. Fill in the blank. That's what he is. He's a fill in the blank. Whatever you need. He's the I am. God said to Moses. Moses said, who do I tell Ferris? Who, who should I say to Ferris sent me? I mean, I got, he just tell him I am. That's it. Those two words. I am. Those three letters. Encompasses it all. And so Moses, who became Simeon became the upper room, who became Fresh Start Church. Just declare the consolation. New season of miracles, Pastor. Yes. lift your hands and let me pray over you.
Holy Spirit, we just uh, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Our cry is to see the glory. Our cry is to see the reality of your presence manifested. Our cry, oh God, is for you to fill this house and to fill our homes. Our cry is to know you in a real, genuine, authentic way. Our cry is to make you known to a city and the nations. We cry out, oh God. So Lord, we receive your word today. And we receive the turning of the page. And we thank you that you're in our now. Yes, yes. And that the spirit of revival is in the house. Yes. And this should be a place that a city shall come to. To know you and experience you. It will be all about your presence. And what happens when we get in your presence. We thank you for that, Father. I thank you that the hunger in this house shall increase and increase and increase. I thank you, Father, that we shall seek you and seek you first and your kingdom first. And we shall see everything else, oh God, come behind. So Lord, I speak over your people today and I seal what's been done here. And I thank you for those that have made a fresh start. I thank you for those that have come back. I thank you for those that have confessed their sins and repented today and they're free. I thank you, Father, uh, that you are going to, to continue this uh, presence, this level of your presence to increase in this house from this day forward. No going backwards, only forwards. And I thank you for that, Father. And I thank you for the breakout of signs, wonders, and miracles. For your glory and your glory alone. We thank you for it, Father, that it is our moment, it is our time, it is our season. And we receive it by faith today. And we lay hold of it in our spirit. Yes. And we're not going to let go. Yes. We thank you for it, Lord. Yes. Father, I thank you for uh, Pat. I thank you for his calling, his anointing, his purpose, his destiny. And Karen, Lord, and Abby, and, and, and Lord Nate, and Adrian, Lord, I just thank you right now that you, oh God, are doing a supernatural thing in that family. And we speak blessing and favor and prosperity over them. We say they will lack no need. They will lack nothing, but they will have more than enough, an abundance and an oversufficiency for the vision that you've placed in our hearts, God. And we thank you for that this morning, God. And we give you praise for it, Father. And we give you honor for it in this place. Can you put your hands together and bless the Lord in the house?